Hola mi gente, what up my people, my name is Pastor Rich Colon, I'm the lead pastor here at Santos Church, broadcasting to you live from Southwest Detroit, Michigan. Wherever you're listening from, I'm glad that you are listening. This podcast is meant to do one of two things, and that is either bring you our message content or it's content that we thought would enrich our message content. We'll have more information at the end of this episode on how you can get connected with us either in person, online, or on social media. But for now, thanks for listening to this podcast. Gracias para escuchando este podcast. And let's get into it. Vamos. Hey, yo, it is a good day at Santos Church because we are jumping into a brand new series today. Uh, If you've not gotten familiar with that terminology, what we mean by that, by a series, is a brand new collection of content that focuses around either a particular theme or book of the Bible. And for the entire month of November, the the content that we're focused on, the series that we've put together, revolves around the book of James. The book of James is a really cool book because it is written by the literal blood brother of Jesus Christ himself. And so as you are following along, whether you are here with us in person or you tune into the podcast, we are going to be walking through the book of James together. James is a really special book because if you follow us on social media, you know, I kind of introduced it by asking some questions like, you know, is following Jesus Christ even relevant in the year 2021? Or uh, how can I make my faith more applicable? Or, you know, just different practical things like that, that we might sometimes ask ourselves, or if we are encountering in a uh, encounter a certain uh, topic and conversation, we might internally kind of wrestle with some of these things is how do we make this this thing that we believe, this faith that we believe and the person uh, of, of, of whom we believe in Jesus Christ, how, how does that come out practically in everyday life, whether it's on a job or raising kids or, you know, in our dating life or in our social media posting? How, how is it practical that those two things marry together in our actions? And the book of James is super dope because James is a straightforward dude. Uh, some people have referred to the book of James as a really sweet gut punch. So James pulls no punches. He's straight to it. It's full of practicalities, and it's full of uh, just just everyday advice and wisdom, and it gets straight to the point. And so um, our whole tagline for this is, as we talk about the book of James, is don't just talk about it, be about it. And so uh, let me let ha, what we do when we jump into a new series at Santos is the first week, we will go through chapter one. Uh, this week, we'll, we'll take a look at chapter one, but we also like to build out the foundation of it a little bit so that way it serves for the subsequent weeks to be a frame uh, of reference for you as you walk through this with us. So I'm going to do a little, just a little bit of unpacking of the book of James, and then we're going to jump into chapter one, uh, and then we will we will close out our time together today. And so James, like I said, James is the blood brother of Jesus. The, the really interesting about James though, is that as James and Jesus are growing up together as brothers, James actually does not profess to believe in Jesus as the Messiah for Jesus' in entire earthly life. So for the entire time that Jesus is on the face of the earth, James does not claim to believe in him as the Messiah, as Lord and Savior, right? 
So if, if you have any siblings, think about that dynamic, right? Like your brother just comes home from school or your sister comes home from school one day and they're just like, hey, I'm the Messiah, right? You're, you're going to be like, yo, you're tripping. Like get in there and do the dishes, do your homework, or you're going to get whooped. You know what I mean? Like let me keep this in perspective, you know, for you, fam. Like you're not God, right? Like eat a slice of humble pie and chill out with the rest of us. So it, it may have been a little bit of that dynamic that kept James from believing. Um, I'm not sure, but we do know that James did not believe. Paul tells us in Scripture, though, that the thing that brought James to believing in Jesus as the Messiah is seeing Jesus resurrected. Now, that's a whole, that could be a whole other message in and of itself. The thing that brought James to believing in his brother as being something more than his brother, but actually being the long-awaited Messiah, the Savior of the world, was seeing him overcome death. So now James is looking at a resurrected Jesus going, oh, that's why he said this. That's why he did that. Jesus was the Messiah that whole time. So him resurrecting brings validity to everything he said and did while he was on earth. So now James retroactively believes in everything Jesus uh, taught and did. Now he ascribes worth and value and truth to that after seeing Jesus overcome the grave. And so this is James's worldview now at this point. This is experience that has brought him this far. James, as as far as the book of the Bible goes, did not obviously start as a book of the Bible. Um, it, it started as a letter that James wrote in a very pastoral manner to the church in Jerusalem. So James may have been the pastor of the church. He may have been a pastor of the church, but we do know that James was a pillar, a very strong uh, central figure in the church in Jerusalem, a key leader, if you will. And he writes this to Jewish believers in the church in Jerusalem. And they're being persecuted. They're, they're uh, like experiencing this interesting dynamic, right? Because their whole life and leading up to Jesus, although there may have been other people claiming to be the Messiah uh, or a Messiah, they were still conditioned in this, this form of Judaism, right? Like, so they believe the Old Testament and they kept with the laws and, you know, even, even the, the world that they would have lived in would have been governed by, you know, the Pharisees, the Sadducees, all these different things. And so it was a very um, straightforward, orthodox Jewish upbringing. And so the church in that climate now is is experiencing some some persecution because it's like, oh, wait a minute, y'all y'all supposed to be Jews, right? But you believe this guy, right? So there's this, this weird dynamic going on culturally where this church is planted. And so James writes as Pastor James to this church who's experiencing some, some turbulation, experiencing um, that in, in their cultural setting, but also just the woes of life, right? Like, and life for them. So not life for us in the sense of, you know, the things that we have, but like even even the government now coming down on them, right, um, in their time. But then things that we all encounter, like family, like work, like, you know, our emotions going up and down, like seasonal changes, like just different things like that. They're encountering all of that. 
And ultimately, they are facing a few options that James means to address throughout the body of his letter to them. Right. So here's their three options. James is like, Ayo, you could you could encounter these things, whether it be persecution, whether it be, uh, you know, you're you not being able to show your faith at your job or you having a hard time with your kids or you having a crisis of faith or, you know, you being challenged by other people who, you know, you used to go to synagogue with uh, to come back into that orthodox Jewish faith. Right. Like you could be faced with several different things that come against you, and they're going to push you to do one of three things. Number one, you could leave the faith. You could decide to stop believing in Jesus. You You could recant the whole thing. You could turn away, and you could leave the faith. Number two, you could maintain a surface level faith so that way your brothers and sisters in the church of Jesus might think that you're good, might think that you're all on board, might think that you're playing ball like the rest of us, but underneath you're really going through some things you really are are maybe turning away from your faith or or living a double life but on the surface you at least look like you got it together but if you do that no matter what your faith is always going to be shaken so you can leave the faith you can have a fake uh surface level faith or a faith that refuses to go deep or number three you could embrace a genuine faith and even though it's hard, you could commit to, to pursuing genuine faith because then at least in times of hardship or persecution, troubles, no matter what comes against you, at least then your genuine faith and who it's rooted in will help you to endure and persevere. And the last option, obviously, is what James is presenting to them throughout the course of his writing to them. And he's urging them to pursue that. Now, this is relevant for us today because, like I said, this is going to really be applicable for us. And it's relevant not because you and I might face persecution. I I should add that James actually is martyred. Martyred means you're, you're, you're killed, you're murdered for your faith or what you believe in. And James is actually martyred. The way that we are, we are, are told from history that James is martyred is that they take G, or they take James up on the roof. I, I, I've read some places that they believe that it's the roof of, of a synagogue. Nonetheless, wherever it is, a roof of a high building, and they push James off, hoping that James will fall to his death. But instead, he doesn't die, and they come down off the roof, and because he is not dead, they stone him until he dies. So that's that's how James goes out. That's the guy that the guy who didn't believe that his brother was the Messiah then comes to faith after seeing his brother resurrected now becomes a fearless leader in the church capital C but then becomes a key leader and pastoral figure in the church in Jerusalem and now ultimately is killed for what he believes in Jesus. And so this book is really relevant to us because You or I are probably not going to get pushed off a building for believing in Jesus. You or I are probably not going to get stoned to death for believing in Jesus, but we will endure hardship. That's life. We will have dry seasons of faith. That's life. And at bare minimum, you might be tempted to drift into that surface level faith that we talked about, being partially committed or going through these seasons where where. Maybe it's easier for you to plug into community or 
you know, find yourself in scripture or even, even wake up and go to church. It might be easier sometimes than other times. And other times it might be easy just to let it all go. Stay in bed. You know, have some me time. Sometimes it's, it, it might be easy for us to drift. So even if you are not facing a life or death situation for your faith, we all experience life and how life comes at us. And as we move through life, we're faced with the same three options. We could decide to turn and, and leave the faith. We could maintain a surface level faith that really only fools everybody else into thinking we got it all together for a time at least. Or number three, we could press in, we could go deep, we could get really nitty gritty with our faith. We could get so committed to this, this, this life of faith that it's infused in, in what we do and how we act and how we live and how we talk, that it just becomes part of, it, it just is what it is. This is what we're here for. And, and yeah, we're going to endure some hardship, but at least our faith will keep us and we will endure and we'll persevere and we have community around us. And so for you and us, just like Pastor James is encouraging the church in Jerusalem, hey, take that third option. Today, I want to use his words to encourage you. Take that third option. He's pushing us to genuine faith. And not just to claim a, a belief in that, but to exemplify belief in that. Because as we're going to read in, in a second in chapter 1, your faith, what you claim to believe, and what you do about your belief actually go hand in hand. So essentially for today, for chapter one, if Pastor James, the brother of Jesus, were here preaching to you, pastoring to you today, I believe he would stand before you and he would urge you, listen, don't just talk about this Jesus stuff. Don't just talk about this faith stuff. Be about this Put, put some action to it. And so let's go ahead and just jump into chapter one. You should know about chapter one. James is actually using this to plant the seeds, if you will, for some things that he's going to unpack bigger in the next several chapters. So chapter one is James, like we're doing today. We just spent a solid little uh, section of time unpacking the, the context of this book, James now spends chapter one of this book, which again, started as a letter, unpacking or, or setting the stage that he will unpack later. He's building a foundation and a framework for his audience to unpack this later. And so here we go. Chapter one, let's dig in. Chapter one, verse one. This letter is from James, a slave of God and of the Lord Jesus Christ. I'm writing this to the 12 tribes, Jewish, Jewish believers scattered abroad. Greetings. Dear brothers and sisters, when you have troubles of any kind come your way, consider it an opportunity for great joy. For you know that when your faith is tested, your endurance has a chance to grow. So let it grow. For when your endurance is fully developed, you will be perfect and complete, needing nothing. If you need wisdom, ask our generous God, and he will give it to you. He will not rebuke you for asking. But when you ask him, be sure that your faith is in God alone. Do not waver, 
For a person with divided loyalty is as unsettled as the wind. Such people should not expect to receive anything from the Lord. Their loyalty is divided between God and the world, and they are unstable in everything that they do. So I'm going to give you a few key verses how this is going to work for even the rest of this series is that um, every time, every week, um, as we read through the chapter that we're in for that week, I'm going to give you some key verses. Um, they're, they're, you know, they're no greater or anything like that than any of the other verses. They're just um, things that I think um, sum up that particular passage or that particular chapter really well. They're like high notes in it that, in, that, that are good representations of what the whole work is actually about. And so they're, they're good things just to write down or commit to memory. And so uh, my first key verse for you for James chapter one is verses six through eight. But when you ask him, be sure that your faith is in God alone. Do not waver for a person with divided loyalty is as unsettled as a wave of the sea that is blown and tossed by the wind. How often do we try to do that, right? Like we have divided loyalty in God and a lot of times, unfortunately, in ourselves. So it's like we're going to pray and ask God to do something or we're going to expect God to do something, but we're not going to trust his timing or his form of delivery um, all the way. So we try to try to race God to get a result. We try to manufacture our own, you know, our own situation to maybe try to get the same result that we are already praying for instead of just trusting God. Or maybe we do that with another person. We'll ask God, but then we, we exploit a relationship we have with another person um, or maybe at work or different things like this to try to get the same thing that we're trusting God for, right? And so ultimately, it doesn't show that we have trust and faith in God, which should be the focus. Instead, the focus is so much on what we get from God that if God can't give it to us, we'll go another way. So our loyalty and our faith is divided. And James says, if you're somebody like that, you're as unsettled as a wave on the sea that is constantly blown and tossed by the wind. And those people should not respect, expect to receive anything because their loyalty is divided and they're unstable. In other words, anchor yourself in Jesus, trust God. And if it's something you're asking God for, you're expecting God for, you're looking to God for, trust him. And, and if you're going to trust him enough to ask him, then you're trusting him enough to wait on his timing and his delivery method. All right, let's move on. Verse nine, believers who are poor have something to boast about for God has honored them. And those who are rich should boast that God has humbled them. They will fade away like a little flower in the field. The hot sun rises and the grass withers. The little flower droops and falls and its beauty fades away. In the same way, the rich will fade away with all of their achievements. What are we pursuing? I feel like that's the message there. What are we pursuing? What are we looking for to bring us satisfaction? Are we banking on the riches of this world that will pass away? Or are we banking on the eternal treasure that is Jesus Christ and being with him? That's not to say that we can't want nice things or have nice things, or if you have nice things that, you know, you're, you're doing something wrong or bad. That's not to say that. It is to say, what are we pursuing? What are we spending our time dreaming about, thinking about, hoping for, aiming for? And is that taking our affection and our energy 
and our mental real estate, our emotional real estate, is that occupying more of that than God is? And if so, we need to reevaluate. Verse 12, God blesses those who patiently endure testing and temptation. Afterward, they will receive the crown of life that God has promised to those who love him. But remember, when you are being tempted, do not say, God is tempting me. God never tempted, God is never tempted to do wrong, and he never tempts anyone. Temptation comes from our own desires, which entice us and drag us away. These desires give birth to sinful actions, and when sin is allowed to grow, it gives birth to death. I love this because I, I, I sometimes hear people talking like this. Oh, man, I'm going through something. Is God tempting me? Oh, oh, I, I really want that thing over there, but I'm not going to do it because I feel like God is tempting me because he's testing me. He's trying to see if I'm going to give in to it or if I'm stronger than that now. Or, you know, like I hear some of this rhetoric sometimes. And again, it's just it's just not who God is. Right? It's just not who God is. Because in verse 16, it says, Don't be misled, brothers and sisters. Whatever is good and perfect is a gift coming down to us from God the Father, who created all the lights in the heavens. He never changes or casts even a shifting shadow. God doesn't change. God, God doesn't have God's shadow doesn't even waver. Like God is so solid that. That all he does is good. So why would a good God tempt you with something not good? That's not in his character. Why would God want to mess with you just to see if he's going to, just to see if you're going to take the bait and fall off your track and see if God can knock you off your game? Look, God doesn't work like that. That's not what God does. That's not who God is. It's not even in his nature. James is reminding us here, yo, like if you're ever in that situation, remind yourself, that's not God's nature. It's our nature to, to deviate from God's plan. It's our nature to want something above and beyond. So we think what God has for us. It's our nature to lust for things. It's our nature to reach for things. Shoot, it's our nature to take things even if they don't belong to us, if we want it bad enough, and then to justify it. That's our nature, but that's not God's nature. And James reminds us, yo, remember who is who in the scenario. Remember that God is good and only does good and only gives good things. Us, we are the ones that have those desires. Our desires are what tempts us, and those desires will lead us away. And when we give in to them, those things manifest in us and in our lives. And, and once they take root like that, we allow it to grow. It only leads to one place. It gives birth to death. God wants the best for you. God wants to lead you in his way, the right way, good ways. God likes our path. God goes before us. God does not tempt us with evil. James reminds us. Verse 18, he chose to give birth to us by giving us his true word, and we, out of all of creation, became his prized possessions. I love that. I don't know what you say about yourself, and I don't know what people say about you and what, what you believe that people say about you, but, but I love verse 18. And we, people, us humans, out of all of creation became his prized possessions. You, regardless of what you think of yourself today, God loves you so much that he, he calls you his prized possession. If he didn't feel that way about you, he wouldn't give his son for you. 
You are God's prized possession. Verse 19. Remember when I said before that some people refer to James as a sweet gut punch? I feel like <laughs> I feel like James is like, remember, you are God's prized possession. Makes us feel good and loved, which we are. But then he shifts gears a little bit and he he brings some some realness. James is about to get raw, he's about to get gritty. Verse 19, it says this, understand this, my dear brothers and sisters, you must be quick to listen and slow to speak and slow to get angry because human anger does not produce the righteousness God desires. So get rid of all filth and evil in your lives and humbly accept the word that God has planted in your hearts for it has the power to save your souls. Yo, don't, don't, don't just go halfway with this and don't try to justify your emotions with this, James is saying. My brothers and sisters, look, you got to listen more than you talk. If you've, seen, if you've seen Hamilton, it's like Aaron Burr. He's like, hey, yo, talk less. Smile more. No, nah, he's like, talk less, listen more, and be slow to get angry. Don't, don't be so quick to make judgments. Don't, don't be so quick to retaliate. Talk less, listen more. Because that is where righteousness is. And then he says, get rid of all the filth and evil that's in your life and accept God's word instead. Let God's word start to clean up some of the stuff that we've allowed to take place and take root in our hearts and in our lives. James 1 verse 22 now says this, and here is put an asterisk next to this one if you're taking notes or if you're highlighting or if you're, you know, just in your mind, put a mental asterisk next to this. This is one of our key verses for the entire month. Verse 22, James getting real wrong, gritty with it, real real up in your face right now. James is real up in our Kool-Aid. He says this, uh, 22, don't just listen to God's word. You must do what it says. Otherwise, you're only fooling yourself. In the words of DJ Khaled, don't ever play yourself. That's what James is saying right here. Listen, you got to do something about this. Don't just hear God's word. Don't just sit under good teaching. Don't just read the Bible, apply this stuff, live it out, walk it out, pursue a godly life. Otherwise, you're only fooling yourself. For if you listen to the word and don't obey, it's like glancing at your face in a mirror. You'll see yourself, you'll walk away, and you'll forget what you look like. But if you look carefully into the perfect law that sets you free and do what it says and don't forget what you heard, then God will bless you for doing it. 26, if you claim to be religious but don't control your tongue, you are fooling yourself and your religion in the sight of, oh, I'm sorry, uh, only fooling yourself and your religion is worthless. Pure and genuine religion in the sight of God the Father means caring for orphans and widows in their distress and refusing to let the world corrupt you. James is bringing, bringing, it, bringing it down right here at the end of chapter one. He's like, yo, listen, this is how people know what you believe. You'll care for people. You'll, you'll take care of widows and orphans and you'll watch your mouth and you'll put some action 
into your life, you'll start to live out these things that Jesus embodies. You'll start to love people differently. You'll start to serve people selflessly. You'll start to forgive people radically. You'll start to go the extra mile for people. If somebody asks you to go one for them, you'll go two with them, right? If somebody asks you for the shirt off your back, you'll give them your shirt and your jacket, Right, like start to put some action to this because this is where it all happens. This is the crossroad here. James is like, yo, this is where people actually get to see Jesus in us, in his church, in believers, is when we don't just talk about it, we're, we, we do something about it. When we stop just running our mouth about God's love and how it's different and how it's not just a religion, it's a relationship, and we start acting like it's a relationship. We start acting like it's something more than religion, stale, old, dry religion that doesn't move or produce action or life change. He's saying stoke the fire of your faith so much that it makes you move, even if it makes you have to do something different, even if it means you have to recalibrate. Make room for God to move you into some new areas and be obedient. Stop just running your mouth so much, right? Talk less. Some of us do need to smile more, but we just need to talk less. We need to love people better. We need to put more action with our words. There's a saying that, that I'm sure you've heard. I've heard it a lot. And, and I do like the saying. But the saying is like, preach the gospel at all times and when necessary, use words. I do like that because that implies we should be living like Jesus a lot more than we are. But, but I don't think that, that that saying does justice really to what this is about. You need to tell your story. People need to hear your testimony. People do need to hear you use words. People, like scripture tells us, be ready to give an account for the hope that is in you, for the, for the thing that we believe in, the Jesus we believe in that is the difference maker. Be ready to give an account. Be ready to share from that. But also, James is like, yo, but do something. Live it out. Get out there and serve somebody. Stop being on Facebook just gossiping, talking junk about people. Don't be on there just sharing the Bible verse of the day. Don't be quoting the pastor all the time. But then when people bump into you at the store, you're all nasty and mean to them. Somebody cuts you off in traffic, you're giving them the finger and yelling at like, let's do something different. Man, and those examples are really just like the easiest, smallest examples. Like God really calls us to something big. Jesus calls us to a life that is so big and so grand, and if we actually lived it out, man, it would change us and it would change people around us. As we jump into James's letter, we can hear how applicable it is for us today. Like, yo, don't just be parading around with this like false sense of, of righteousness. Don't just be out talking about everything you believe. Don't just be sharing stuff on Facebook and, and then getting caught in all these other arguments in the comments. Like, don't just be going to church for an hour and a half on Sunday and then the other six and three quarters days out of the week acting like you don't even know who God is and talking like you don't even believe in him. Treating people like they don't bear his image, man. Like, Get out there and do something different. 
as as we jump into James, we can hear how applicable this is. But one of the worst things that you and I could do is take this as just another piece of writing or write it off as something that mattered then but doesn't matter now or doesn't have power now. If you're here today or if you're listening to this at any point, it's because you believe in Jesus or you feel something drawing you in that direction. And the call for us is simple. Our faith has to be tied to something active. We can't just talk about it. We have to be about it. As we talk about this, it reminds me of one of my favorite NFL players of all time. His name's Marshawn Lynch. Marshawn Lynch is a running back. He's played for several teams, but I think most notably, people know him for playing with the Seattle Seahawks. He went to the Super Bowl with them. I think a couple times, actually. He played for the Raiders and the Bills as well. But later in his career, he, he became known for like a series of interviews that he did. And at the time, there was NFL players who were not wanting to do press conferences or post-game interviews or even pre-game interviews. And so they were being fined like these really hefty, these really hefty fines for not doing these interviews. And so in an attempt, and Marshawn Lynch was one of those players, right? And so in an attempt to not get fined, Marshawn Lynch went viral with how he would take interviews. He would show up to the interviews or he would do the interviews, but he had adopted the practice of only giving a one-word answer regardless what, of what the question was every week for his interviews. You can Google it or YouTube it. Just YouTube Marshawn Lynch post-game interview or press conference interview. And, and they'll be like, Marshawn, what did you think of today's game? And he'll be like, yeah. Marshawn Lynch, how do you think you played today? Yeah. Marshawn Lynch, what song do, do you think or what song got you hyped for today's game? Yeah. Another one, he just says, I appreciate you. So, Marshawn, what do you think of, you know, the, you know, the Raiders, blah, 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 their quarterback doing this and that? I appreciate you. Marshawn, how are you feeling today in preparation for today's game? I appreciate you. How did warm-ups go with it? I appreciate you, right? Like, he would just do this over and over, and, and he found a loophole. He didn't have to really answer their questions. He, he humored them in a way by answering them, but he, he answered his way, right? Well, I, I reference this, especially for today, because... Leading up to the Super Bowl, when they were going to the Super Bowl, uh, Marshawn Lynch is doing a press conference, and his answer the whole time was, I'm only here so I don't get fined. And he answered that to everything, but then he stepped off the podium, walked down to the side, and I believe it was Barry Sanders. You could look this up as well. I believe Barry Sanders is now interviewing him off the field, and he, and he says, he's like asking questions, and he's like, Marshawn, I, I know you don't, I know you're not really into taking these interviews anymore. Like, why, why is that? And Marshawn answers like this. He says, because you know why I'm here. I'm about that action, boss. That became such a big saying after that. I'm about that action, boss. That Marshawn actually has his own clothing company. It's called Beast Mode because that was his nickname, right? He was such a beast running back. And they printed that all over shirts after that. I'm about that action, boss. It was on everything because... In other words, Marshawn's sentiment was, yo, I'm not here just to be running my mouth at these press conferences. I'm about that action. I'm going to get on that field, and you're going to know what I'm about. There's a time and a place for conversation, but then there's a, there's a, a time when the conversation is just redundant, and we're just conversating just to take up time. 
it's all a, a facade. Because then there's a time and a place where words won't suffice, or at least just words won't suffice. There has to be action. So for today and over the next few weeks, James is essentially telling us that we need to adopt that Marshawn Lynch mentality, that when it's time to talk, talk, share your story, be loving, be gracious, be kind, be ready to give an account of the hope that you have in Jesus Christ. But when we talk, that means we have to validate our words with faith-filled action. So when it's time to talk, talk. But when it's time for action, be about that action, boss. I pray that you and I show up every day, no matter where we are. We wake up at home. We're walking into the workplace. We're pumping gas. We're encountering that coworker that might rub us the wrong way. We're talking to our significant other when we've ran out of patience. We're talking to our neighbor. We're encountering people. And we would remind ourselves about that action. That's why I'm here. This action that calls me to be different. Yeah, I'll testify. Yeah, I'll tell you my story. Yeah, we'll, we'll talk. Yeah, we do need to gather together in community and small group. And we do need to hear each other's stories. And we, we do need to offer each other words of, of, of grace and words of healing. Yeah, we do need to, yeah, we are going to gather together and sing and worship Jesus together. Yeah, we will open the scriptures and we will talk about it and we will dive deeper. But when it's time for the action, we're going to be about some action around here. I don't want to do what James is warning against. I don't want to just fool myself. I don't want to trick myself into thinking that huddling up one day a week is what it's all about. No, it's important. Like, we need it. That is the huddle. But since we're talking about football, like Marshawn Lynch, right, like, that is the huddle. This is the huddle. But then there's, a, there's, there's plays out there we're supposed to be running. There's, there's something that the coach, Jesus, is, is, is calling us to do out here on the field. We can't trick ourselves into thinking that, that just in, internalizing a belief in Jesus is the game. We can't trick ourselves into thinking that gathering together for an hour and a half on a Sunday is the game. We can't trick ourselves into thinking that those things are the end all be all to this. No, those are just huddles and variations of huddling together. We need them. They're important. Every team does them every game, but there's also a game out there to be played. I want my life to begin to reflect the reality of the faith that I hold inside. I don't want to just talk about it. I want to be about it. So today, as we wrap up week one of James from chapter one, I want to challenge you with the words of Prophet Marshawn Lynch. That we would approach it the same way, approach life the same way. You already know why I'm here. I'm about that action, boss. Let's be about that action. Let's live this faith out. Let it change us. And God promises it will change people in this world around us. Let's be about some action. Let me pray for you. Dear God, I thank you for your word. I thank you, Jesus. I thank you for your brother that he wrote such a raw and practical and just straight up letter to believers then because it's so applicable to believers now. 
I pray that we wouldn't fool ourselves into thinking that things that are not what you've called us to do are the things that are most important. I, I pray that we wouldn't fool ourselves into thinking that we've got faith figured out if it lacks conviction, if it lacks greater action. Jesus, I pray that you help us to live out this faith that you've called us to, and I pray that it would change us from the inside out, and then I pray that it would change the people in the world around us. God, help us to be about action. Help us to be about your action, Jesus. In your name I pray, amen. Hey, thanks again for tuning in to the Santos Church Podcast. We hope that you were blessed by what you heard today and that it moves you towards action and greater faith in Jesus. If you'd like to connect with us more, you can find us online at santoschurch.org. And that's also a great place to give if you'd like to contribute to the ministry and our mission here in Southwest Detroit. If you're on Instagram, you can connect with us at Santos Detroit or Facebook, and it's facebook.com slash Santos Church Detroit. If you find yourself in the Detroit area, we'd love to have you in person Sunday mornings at 11, 1953 Military Street. Either way, hablamos pronto. We'll talk to you soon.